Lovol Bulger book. Bees. <laughs> we all loved him, but he wasn't Egypt. We wait for you. Welcome to episode 3 of Meta Nerdia, where three friends chat about all things nerddom, specifically for season 1, talking about the Lord of the Rings show on Amazon Prime, Rings of Power. I am one of your hosts, Andrew. Uh, with me here tonight is Jesse. Jesse, what did you think of episode 3? Quick reaction. Um, Wish I would have gave a quick reaction on Saturday night. Because last night and this morning, I started and finished the new season of Cobra Kai, uh, season five. I love that show. It's cheesy, but it gives you just about everything that you want. Pulls at the heartstrings a little bit. Um, And I kind of forgot about episode (laughs) three a little bit. Um, So I'm relying on you two to kind of like jog my memory a little bit. I remember some interesting things happened. I think... uh, a character or two popped up where I was like, ooh, it's that guy. So, yeah. okay, that's... I'll, I'll let you know at the end once I remember what the episode was. All right, that's great stuff, Jesse. Yeah. And yeah. our <laughs> other host, Ryan. Ryan, give us your quick re- quick response. I, you know, I've, I've tried to withhold judgment, and I it just needs to pick up the pace. I mean, I, I yeah. And things need to happen. It felt like it was still kind of introducing characters and plot lines. So again, once again, the scenery is is incredible. Uh, we get to see some new places in Middle Earth, which is awesome. Uh, but still, I don't know. It has not yet gripped me. If I, I got to be honest. Oh, all right. Very interesting. I was a little bit unsure about episode two, um, but I'm back on board after episode three. I thought it was really good. Um, so just a quick recap of episode three, uh, which is called Adar, in which Arendir finds himself as a captive. Galadriel and Halbrand explore a legendary kingdom. Elendil is given a new assignment, and Nori faces the consequences. Dun, dun, okay. Dun. So kind of going through, uh, we've got a lot of different storylines. Um, and in this episode, it feel, felt like we got a lot more of Arendir and Galadriel's storylines. Um, and then we saw Nori and the Harfoots um, a little bit at the end um, and the Stranger with them as well. Um, so starting with uh, Arendir, um, who is in captivity uh, with the orcs. Um, and I thought that uh, we saw some... Um, pretty brutal stuff from the orcs and I feel like we got some glimpses of that in the original trilogy um, but but definitely saw some more of it this time what'd you guys think yeah I mean we see they're I like how they're depicted it's actually closer to I think how Tolkien wrote about orcs you know fearing the sun we saw a lot more of that and I think they were displayed really well because they would have been just dwelling inside caves and and uh, that's what made the Urukai in the Lord of the Rings trilogy is so powerful is because they were able to move and be at fighting strength in the sun. Um, so we do see that element kind of lived out, and I love that they weren't really using CGI for the orcs. Uh, they, they looked pretty pretty grotesque, but I mean that in, like in, a, in a good way of how they, they played that out. Um, but yeah, the conditions seemed pretty, pretty awful. Uh, they seemed to be on a campaign to capture and kidnap, and I, I'm not sure. Sh- they're 
having them dig holes apparently like go dig holes i'm not sure what that's about but that's what yeah being it was inter- it was interesting one of them at least one of the orcs we saw <clears throat> kind of sifting through some uh rubbish or yeah. like metal stuff and and i wondered are they searching for the the piece of the sword or or whatever it is that um bronwyn's son has do we think that that might be what they're what they're doing it seemed like they were a couple of the orcs at least came upon it in episode two and maybe were being kind of called to it they're looking for uh the treasure that stanley yilnats buried (laughs) (laughs) exactly nice holes reference exactly yeah they're all in 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 punishment uh that's a great movie by the way it's a good book too the movie stands up so good yeah um but yeah, I think I think so. It's sort of a little bit of a recycling of the plot line of like obviously Sauron's trying to find the one ring in the original trilogy. So I think there's a similar mindset of, oh, you gotta find this sword. And again, it's kind of like echoes of uh Horcrux. I mean again, I know I know Rowl JK Rowling is after Tolkien's writing, but I think I think that's probably what they're doing, probably digging it up, looking for this sword. It probably has some magical powers or abilities or somehow Sauron might be connected with it in some way. Do we know where, uh, well, I know we know where Theo got the sword, but do we know who, uh, the original owner of the sword hilt found the sword? Was that referenced? Um, is he just like a trader? Was he a merchant? Was he just some guy walking around with a metal detector and he found (laughs) it? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Metal detector guy. It's uh, he's got a YouTube channel. Uh, yeah, no, I think, I think at the end they kind of tease it for the next episode because at the end they show the, the, that butcher guy working in the, in the jack of all trades talking to Theo. He, he you remember that at the very end, it's kind of a teaser for next episode. Oh, I didn't he, see He's that. talking to Theo the knowing, trailer. yeah, like, like, oh, you and I, oh. we need to stay together. So I think it would be cool. And I hope that they, it, they, you know, turns out there's this sort of a secret society of, of uh, Morgoth or Sauron devotees, and sort of this is a weapon that maybe maybe we learn more about who Theo's father was, um, and there's sort of an undercurrent of a secret society or something like that. That would be interesting. It'd be a little bit lame if just like I found it one day. Well, well I guess that would fit with like Bilbo. How Bilbo? I was gonna say yeah, and Gollum. Exactly. He won it in a riddles contest. That's what happened. That's how Theo got. Yeah, I wasn't aware that like there were multiple versions of orcs that could not be in the sun and then that could be in the sun i didn't know there was a hybrid or the latest model the the pro pro max model (laughs) of orcs i think that's something they get into more in the books than in the movies if i remember because i know in the battle of the um in the two towers of the battle of helm's deep um when gandalf is about to show up with um his the army that he's gone out and found and brought back to help them fight isn't it ryan that like aragorn is kind of like smiling as the sun is coming up and the urukai or one of them says to him like we we can fight in the sun essentially like yeah. you know it, this isn't gonna help you whereas most orcs you know wouldn't be able to really do that yeah i think that's more of yeah that's a development and it kind of fits with if i'm remembering correctly urukai were sort of an invention I'm not sure if they're the invention of Saruman, but they're at least associated with him in the movies. 
Uh, so it's kind of this mm-hmm. idea of like using technology. That's a theme for Tolkien is the role of the, the what he calls the machine uh, to kind of enact power and control. But yeah, we see these orcs, they, they seem to be about some sort of quest to find some loot. Uh, maybe they're trying to trade it in at pawn shops. That's how they're funding it, funding the little Sauron's ex- expedition. <laughs> Um, I but I saw yeah, uh, an orc on Pawn Stars one time. Exactly, the, the uh, Middle Earth edition. Gosh, that's an SNL skit waiting to happen. Best, best I can do is <laughs> maggoty bread. Uh, there you go. Um, so yeah, I mean, we see one thing I was disappointed with. Like once again, so Aaron Deer connects back up with his elf pals who've also been in captivity, and they all look like they've not been injured. I'm just like, these are like supposed to be outpost super warriors. Remember Legolas fighting in Helm's Deep? Like single-handedly, he's taken out not just orcs, but Urukai. Like he is, and then when they're on the top of, when the Fellowship breaks in the first episode, similarly, you know, you see you see Legolas just go into town. So I'm a little bit underwhelmed by the fighting power of the elves so far. I'm like, hmm. really? Like, yeah, I mean, granted, they they do they do kind of mount a, an attack against that warg, uh, which, I mean, the warg was CGI. Um, they made that thing look way too cute. I think its its eyes were very Baby Yoda ish. So Jesse's saying like you went to the pound and you doggish. saw. <laughs> so if you saw a baby warg in a pound, it's gonna be a spin. That's gonna be a spinoff. You know, baby warg. You know, I would travel around with it Hope in my pocket. Yeah. Like Hagrid. <laughs> <laughs> just shorter. Yeah. But again, like these elves kind of just run into the... It's one it's one warg versus like three or four elves. And granted, they only have chains. And I get it. Mm. But like they also have like picks and stuff. And I don't know. I'm, I'm still like... Yeah. I'm not... I'm just... That's part of it didn't grip me. It's like they're supposed to be these pretty epic warriors and... I didn't buy the whole scene, like where the lead orc gives him water to drink, and then, well, we need to talk about this oh, in yeah. a second. <laughs> so the, the whole throat slashing scene. Uh, so first of all, I was surprised there wasn't a lot of blood. I thought, oh, okay, they're mm. scaling it back. But then cut to that different scene where, where uh, Hallbrand is fighting those dudes in the market, oh, yeah. and he breaks the guy's yeah. arm. Yeah, that yeah. was nasty. And you see, like, the two bones under his skin just, like, almost breaking through the surface. Yeah. That was sweet. Yeah. For me, that's that's worse to watch than yes. just seeing some blood. Anyway, you reminded me of the scene in Tropic Thunder because I started rewatching that. I know that movie is debatable. <laughs> but the, the scene where they're first trying to act out the scene and the guy just got shot in the head and... <laughs> And blood is spurting up, and it's just it's going everywhere. And they're trying to still is that shoot. When he this. picks up the head, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no. Before then, it's they're trying to cut. The, they're oh, trying to okay. act the scene. But anyway, it just reminded me of like, hey, uh, let's be consistent here. But anyway, so yeah. Sorry, not to get on the, the rabbit trail here. But my my my. So far, the shots of fighting have been a little underwhelming so far. I mean, Hallbrand so far has mounted the best like fight scene. I think. Um, I haven't seen anything that that's like wow that was really well choreographed. Uh, I mean, I'm not into the hyper violence of like a John Wick style, but there is a lot of artistry in how they choreograph the John Wick style fights. It's it's incredible to watch. It's a mixture of gunplay and martial arts. But I just I'm just not seeing a similar level. I'm like, did they blow all their budget on scenery and they didn't pay their 
fight coordinator very much. I, I don't know. Yeah, it was like, I mean, yeah. It's just a little bit underwhelming. And uh, I mean, it's still kind of a powerful scene um, uh, where, you know, they get over the, the edge of his uh, compatriot gets Boromir'd. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, do we see who shoots him? Are, are there just orc outposts? Are we, I are guess we so. Assume I think yeah, we here? don't see where it came so. from. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so that's, that's, I mean, we're jumping to, more towards the end of the episode, but, uh, those are some of the, the, the scenes with Aaron Deer and, and, uh, his, his pals in captivity. Well, Ryan, Ryan, you mentioned spending all of their money on the scenery, I think. And, uh, when we go to Numenor where, uh, Galadriel and Albrand end up, um, it is pretty, pretty stunning. Oh, absolutely. When they kind of do the overhead shots. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great, uh, yeah, I mean, if, if this is like an immersive world, you could put a VR headset on and walk around in, absolutely. I mean, there, I have like zero complaints for how they've depicted uh, the setting. It's just incredible. Yeah, Num- Numenor is this island that, this you know, Elendil and Isildur, they are the great, 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 great granddaddies of, uh, of Aragorn. So this is where they hail from uh, before they come to Middle Earth to eventually the last alliance of men and elves that we see at the very beginning of the of the uh, Lord of the Rings series. That's something I was going to ask: is is Numenor part of Middle Earth? Is it like an island, kind of like how Sicily is the island off of Italy, um, or is it its own land? You know, so I, it's, I wasn't sure of that. Yeah, it's sort of a stand-in for Atlantis. Um, where eventually oh. it is kind of no more. Like they, they, well, what I think they're setting up for is you see this element of you have one part of the island where they're like clearly anti-elf, and then you discover oh, Elendil, which means elf friend. They have this other part of the island. So that's true. I mean, there was a portion of Numenorians who stayed true to their their union with elves and their close connection. Um, Elros, who is like great grandfather, whoever of Elendil is Elrond's brother. Um, so again, I mentioned this in a previous episode. Elrond is actually referred to Elrond half-elven. Elrond and Elros have one parent who's human, one who's elf, and they were given the choice to either align themselves with elves in that line or with humans. And Elros's brother chose humans, and Elrond chose elves. So that's why at the very beginning of the series, you might have seen that Gil-galad has summoned everybody, but mentioned like, oh, only those who are like full elf or something like that. There's sort of a little dig at Elrond's uh, parentage there. So yeah, we get some elements of like who's loyal to who and uh, kind of a true king motif uh, going on as well. And it was cool to see Isildur and Elendil. And um, is it El- the light of Elendil or Elendil's star that we see in the trilogy? Or am I completely making it up? I have to look, at ba- look back at that because I know he has... The, the Dunedain or the Edain are descendants of the Numenorians, and so that's kind of the crest or the image they carry with them. And I don't remember if it's, it's what is it's it. The what's light. the what does Frodo use for, against uh, Shelob that he gets from Galadriel? Is, against Aragog. Sorry, I mean Aragog. <laughs> uh Yeah, no, that that's not from Elendil. That that's like the that's the gift from Galadriel, and it's a light like from a star essentially. Um, Okay, so I'm just confusing these things. 
Well, you're you're really close. It's Arendil and um, Elendil. Uh, so Arendil, E A R E N D A L, is the star as a beloved star. Whereas Arendil, anyways, Tolkien liked words, and you would mess around with them, etc. Cetera, et cetera. Um, I thought it was really interesting how they talked about uh, the sea, um, talking about kind of the sea is always right, and kind of the, the first time they said it. I wasn't really understanding it, but then as um, they talked about it a little bit more, it kind of seemed like uh, like the sea kind of guides them, or they 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 view the sea as kind of a like well the the sea put Galadriel in my path, so um, it must be for some purpose. Interesting, um, which yeah, I thought like was really in interesting. For fate or something like that. Yeah, yeah, and because in a lot of uh, literature, movies, etc. Um, water, sea, ocean tends to represent kind of evil, right? And um, this is a different take on it. Yeah, it, 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 the sea is. There was a lot of chanting in this one. You know, said like the sea is always right. It's like his name was Robert Paulson. Uh, <laughs> and I mean, similar to the Harfoots were chanting like no one walks alone. Uh, chanting was a big theme, but yeah, that's a good point, Andrew. They kind of. A lot of times in mythical literature, the sea is always represented kind of chaos and confusion. Um, in this case, it sort of represents sort of a, a, a will or something like that. But Gladwell even says something like, um, this was no fate that brought us together. Um, mm-hmm. So I think she's even commenting on there's a, there's a greater purpose at play here than what some might boil down to like fate, uh, which is interesting to think about. Well, yeah. Um, another quote that I wrote down... Um it was they said there is no harsher master than the sea well whoever said that clearly never worked for ryan oh ouch. in the admission <laughs> office like jesse and i did it's a real dig jesse would you care to comment <laughs> plead the fifth uh, well that'll that'll show up in your performance evaluation i, st- I still do those by the way even though, even though not, we don't work in the same office anymore, <laughs> Ryan just submits a form to himself. Uh, exactly. Uh, I'd like to hold on to that power, but uh, yeah, yeah, we saw a lot of Numenor. We we learn a little bit about Hallbrand mm-hmm. in Numenor. We see some other like he seems super interested in metallurgy. He like really wants to, mm-hmm. really wants to be a, a maker. Yeah, what was he talking about when he asked the uh, the blacksmith like was such and such forged here was he talking about a certain sword was he talking about any kind of weapon or just something completely different um i can't remember what he said i didn't write it down um but he when he's first trying to get a job at the forge he mentioned something uh to the blacksmith um and then that's when the blacksmith's like no you can't work here you're not part of the guild you haven't earned your whatever and then i guess that's what he goes and tries to steal off of the uh the one guy which i don't think is the best plan because he just went and asked for the job didn't have the thing and then he's going to come back a few (laughs) hours later with the thing like i don't think you uh understand (laughs) what you were supposed to do here yeah and it's kind of interesting because he when he was talking to galadriel he was like like hey let's enjoy this time here like don't make any trouble and then he <laughs> goes out and immediately makes trouble and gets himself arrested. He just doesn't think he'll get caught when he makes trouble. Maybe. He's definitely like a thief, rogue, 
kind of uh kind of fellow where he's got kind of the rascal the he's a rascal <laughs> yep <laughs> I, I i love that fight scene that we talked about a little bit earlier i love how he like he kind of just flips and hulks out a little bit and uh yeah. just goes off on everybody and then the soldiers show up but yeah that whole sequence was really cool because you see it like building up and you don't know if he's just being like tongue in cheek with the guys at first where he's like, I don't want any trouble, but he's like, he doesn't seem like he's afraid at any point. Um, it's more of like, he doesn't want that part of him to be uh, exposed. Yeah. But then he's like, okay. And then you just see him let the beast out of the cage, so to speak and go off. Uh, but I love that sequence. I love any kind of scene where someone just is at their limit and hits their breaking point and people pay. Yeah, we do We do see some... I mean, that kind of reveals more of his character, which is like, okay, who is this guy? He clearly knows how to throw it down and things like that. Um, yeah, I think that's part of the mystery as well as... Who is this? There was one fan theory I saw. is like, is Hallbrand Sauron? But I don't know. I'm not, I'm not getting Sauron vibes. Yeah, did did Galadriel talk about him being like a king? Yeah, something? there is this sort of like she calls him out at one point where it's 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 not unlike the scene where kind of Arwen and Aragorn are in in uh, Imladris or Rivendell, and uh, and you know Aragorn is kind of like ah oh, I'm so I don't know if I can do this and because mm-hmm. the blood of Isildur still flows through my veins the weak same weakness and she's like you are a king so kind of reminding him of who he is. So similarly, I think Galadriel is attempting to be a similar voice of calling out to something noble in him as opposed to his more base instincts, things like that. I think the weirdest part of this episode, maybe probably the weirdest part of the series so far for me, was when um, Galadriel and um, Isildur are, uh, or not Isildur, Elendil, are riding the horses in slow motion. Yeah. Uh, that was a little weird. Yeah, I didn't really understand uh, why they, like, did they, were they just like, we need another minute. We have to have another minute in this episode. Let's just, let's just do horses as slowly as possible for as long as we can. You know, we got a couple mil left over in the 486 million budgeted. Let's extend this scene a little bit and show yeah. Galadriel finally smiling. After three yeah. episodes, it's like <laughs> like we have a red epic camera. We got to use it somehow. <laughs> uh, slow horses. I mean, it, it is beautiful. I think somebody wrote an article a little bit about this. About like, is is it how Galadriel's character is being written? Is it about how it's being acted? Uh, and granted, there's some dangers in saying like Galadriel needs to smile more. There's there's that's a problematic thing to say. But it is the first scene we seem to see her truly be happy and so i think i think we were supposed to be like wow she's in her element she's you know free and the wind's whipping through her hair and and uh but yeah i don't know i just didn't have the same impact i'm 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 watching the crown right now with my wife and there's a somewhat similar scene where there's kind of a horses on the beach scene and that just seemed to have like a really much more powerful impact in the character development side of things anyways yeah i didn't know if there was some background where Galadriel like really loves horses or I, I thought when they said, or when she said, are we riding horses or 
whatever she says. I thought she was going to call to the same horse that Gandalf called to. Shadowfax? Yeah, because like he said he's the god of horses, right? So they don't a god doesn't die, right? <laughs> so maybe it has the same lifespan. That would, yeah, that would have been I'm, cool. I'm, I'm less versed on the horse lore of <laughs> <laughs> maybe this was Shadowfax's I don't know great Father. great great grandfather or something yeah. absolutely so yeah that's I don't know you know the reveals from I mean, Hallbrand's character kind of we learn that he does seem to have a history he is king he's clearly an excellent fighter uh, so any, I don't know, any other observations on who he is and where he's from I don't have anything. I I would not go. A little, I I wouldn't think that he is Sauron. To some of the fan theories, I would I would not put my money on that. Yeah, yeah. Any any names that I don't recognize from the Hobbit movies or from the Lord of the Rings trilogy, I just assume were created solely for this this adaptation. So I don't know if i believe that he's anybody other than halbrand yeah i yeah i I think he's i think he's brought in to add something he gets plenty of screen time so he's clearly not being introduced as simply a character to help move the plot forward he seems to have a storyline of his own um but he's not from what i can tell he's not in in tolkien's uh, work so i think it's just more about like hey wouldn't be cool if we had somebody from the southlands and there's this sort of tension over Hey, you you sided with Morgoth, and whose side are you on? And is he the victor? Is he you know, who knows? I think there's, there's some of the questions we're supposed to be asking. So yeah, we did find out when they go to the library that uh, the sigil that Galadriel found in episode one in the tower um, is actually a map of the Southlands, and so it seems like that's where they're going to be going next. Yeah, yeah, that seemed like a really bad way to keep records because obviously they no longer had elves had no longer had access to this uh this island. Uh and that was the only place with this information there might be other information on this island that they don't have access to or don't have record of anywhere. So I thought that was a uh interesting lapse in judgment by the elves to not have like a copy stored somewhere else. Saying they need to go paperless that they're too reliant. Yeah. On. They need to yeah, upload it to the cloud. That's what they need to do. They need a digital <laughs> file storage solution. They need one drive. They need SharePoint. <laughs> so they have can you just heard of documents. Dropbox? <laughs> <laughs> I I suppose you could argue um, it's maybe less the elves not doing a good job of keeping track of it. Maybe it's more telling about uh, the Numenorians wanting to keep things to themselves. And I mean, the theme yeah. is clearly that everyone hates the elves um so yeah 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 exactly so yeah we meet some new characters too i mean obviously elendil and sildur are supposed to be elf friends and working on that angle we meet sildur's sister mm-hmm. and there's all these vibes of like i got into mit essentially <laughs> <laughs> uh and uh things like that so um yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that how that develops in that regard. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, any further development on who's the stranger? What do we What do we hear from the Harfoots? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, so 
um, Nori's dad has the ankle injury, and so he can't pull the cart as they're getting ready to uh, go to. I don't, however far they're gonna go. I don't. I don't. They probably don't know where they're gonna end up. I'm guessing they just kind of. They just kind of meander until they decide that someplace is a good and safe place to stop. But, um, yeah, there's the whole thing with um, them worried about being left behind and all the Harfoots find out uh, about the stranger um, and he's like three times taller than all of them. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I still don't get, like... It's one of those things where we're three hours in now. Do you reveal something obvious? Like it's Gandalf. <laughs> like it's, it's like uh, uh, I'm trying to think what movie it was where the character revealed like who they were, and everyone's like, "Yeah, we know, we know it's you," <laughs> and they thought it was this this great reveal, or they they're trying to trick you, and uh, yeah. Uh, anyways, so yeah, I don't think we learn anything more, but he's coming along on their caravan and I, I have some issues with that whole like, oh, he's going to be left behind and she might be decaravaned for her transgressions with bringing an outsider in because then they have this weird like ceremony where they read off yeah. names of people who have been left behind and then they say, we wait for you. So is that like a modern, is that like a Harfoot way of virtue signaling? Of like, oh, we're gonna <laughs> act like we're so, we're so you know we're so caring and take care of each other. But if you fall behind, things to be you. Yeah, it's a really weird dichotomy where they, like, they make it seem like you said that they care about and miss all of the people that they left behind, and yet they literally just <laughs> like left like, oh, you can't left them carry behind. your cart fast enough to keep up with us well sorry we'll we'll say your name every couple of months and pretend like we're sad about it but we obviously can't be that sad about it because we're choosing to leave you here bye like yeah it's it's very weird anyways so but apparently the stranger is gonna help out it's gonna pull their cart for them or something so it's gonna push I, i still think it's it's gandalf but by the time they reveal it it's like yeah we know but I've got a theory, though, because at the very end of the scene, they're calling for Adar. Very end of the, the episode, they're calling for Adar because Aaron Deer gets, gets kind of knocked out and he, he slowly comes into focus. And we see the, the humanoid shape. We don't doesn't seem to be orc-like. Mm-hmm. There's questions mm-hmm. about who is this Adar, Adar. I've got a theory. Well, my guess, my early guess is that maybe this is Sauron, and I mean, he could be going even by different names as he's getting different orcs or people to uh, help him in his task. So that, that's the best guess that I've got. Jesse, anything uh, before Ryan goes? I don't really have anything on him other than, like I said before, if it's a new name that I don't recognize, I'm just assuming that it's someone created for the show. Maybe he's like a high general. Um,. Or she, who knows? Um, but yeah, I have no idea who this uh, individual we're about to meet. I'm guessing we'll meet them in episode four. Uh, who it might be? I'm gonna guess. Here's my theory: we 
So it's kind of been like, you know how Green and Wormtongue is sort of sidekick to Saruman? Mm-hmm. And uh, then at the very end of the movie in Return of the King, the mouth of Sauron emerges from Mordor with the gates open, right? It pulls out, you know, Frodo's mithril coat and throws it. Um, I'm going to guess. Here's my theory. This is the mouth of Sauron. All right. So that but, sounds uh, like a good guess. We're going to see a lot of teeth. So yeah, that's that's uh, that's my guess. But yeah, I think we met some other characters. We we see uh, a, a, I think she's a queen. Somehow she's in charge. But then she says something like, "Oh, no one kneels here in Numenor." So apparently they're like very they're they're Mennonite brethren. <laughs> there's <laughs> there's no class structure and difference. No difference between anyways. Uh, and th- but she does go to speak to somebody who's not shown. Says, oh, "Father, the time has come," or something like that. So we also see there's going to be some conflict going on between you know Numenorians what should we do should we uh, kind of stay here and enjoy ourselves or get engaged with what's going on in Middle Earth so I think that was the other new character that was introduced yeah we did not see any of Elrond or um, the dwarves um, so presumably we will get back to them in episode four any final thoughts or comments on this episode Last time we talked about uh, kind of what is it real what's what's it about like what are the basic tenets of, of the series and Jesse had shared an article I think it's in the show notes of episode two where kind of Tolkien addresses some of this uh, it's I think a CNET article where they kind of do a compare and contrast over Tolkien's work and the episodes well he he one of the author of the article cites a letter Tolkien wrote to a colleague um, in which Tolkien says this is mainly concerned with Fall, capital F, um, mortality, and the machine. Fall, mortality, and the machine. Um, And I think that's an interesting way to be thinking about how are we going to shape the arc of this storyline. The idea of fall, meaning, uh, Tolkien was was, uh, Catholic, but he writes extensively about what he was trying to do with this project. So it's worth reading that article that Jesse posted the week before. But the idea of a fall, meaning, hey, things started out in an ideal situation and things are not that way anymore. And I think we're going to see some echoes of that, whether it's the the uh, Elfish uh, Kingdom, whether it's uh, Numenor. Uh, we're going to see things at their height and maybe see them during the fall. So mortality is going to be a key theme as well. So uh, we'll see. That'll be really interesting to see how that plot line develops. But yeah, I mean, again, after next episode, it will be the first season will be 50% done. So I'm like, we better better start to see some movement. We got a lot of we get a lot of like threads out there and it'd be nice to see them starting to come together into something. Yeah. I, I don't think we will. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's going to be a kind of long burn style of series, similar to the books, uh, because, um, it definitely, it doesn't lean too much into like it, Lord of the Rings doesn't seem like it leads too much into adventure. Um, it's more about like building, uh, letting you know about lore, all of that. And I think since there's five seasons, the five seasons are going to stay relatively contained to this age and these characters. I don't think we're going to get any major time skips. I don't know if anything has come out uh, as far as like a synopsis on like the wider scope of each season, but. I think like this season, I think it'll culminate into the dwarves agreeing to uh, assist Celebrimbor on creating this tower. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe 
uh, just referencing the game, um, Shadow of Mordor, Celebrimbor and Bor will meet Sauron in some form, and Sauron will then start planting his seed, so to speak. And in the future seasons, we'll see Sauron and Celebrimbor and Bor, their relationship, if you want to call it that, kind of build and develop. And then by the end of season four, season five, the rings will be created. That's my guess. I think it's going to be a really long stretch, which I don't know if that's what audiences want um, because audiences nowadays, they want like stuff that's quick right there. Um, They don't really want to chew on things. I mean, myself personally, I like binging things. Um, I like stuff with a little bit of a slower burn. And I was thinking about how I used to, skip over in my rewatches of Lord of the Rings. I used to skip over Andrew knows this, uh, the fellowship of the ring because I always thought it was slower. Um, but now that's my favorite one. Um, because I love seeing the development, seeing that relate those relationships develop and seeing the whole fellowship together. As soon as they they, uh, leave, uh, was it Rivendell? Mm, Rivendell. Um, Rivendell. Um, as soon as they leave there and they're all just hanging out together. Uh, I love that. And then they split off and do their things and Frodo and Sam just walk for the remaining time. And then everyone else gets in the things. Um, so, but going back to, uh, my point of rings of power, I think that it's how the first season, maybe season two as well, will be like fellowship of the rings where it's kind of like a slow burn. It's going to introduce you to a lot. Um, but when it's all said and done, you go back to it and like, oh, these are the best parts because this is when everyone meets. And I don't know. That's my guess. Um, I think we're in it for the long haul, so to speak. Um, but we'll see. Maybe next episode, everything will just be firing like crazy and we'll get a ton of information. Sauron will show up. He'll fight Gandalf. He'll fight Gladril. And then they'll make the rings really quick. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Jesse, I'm so proud of you for hearing hearing you say that Fellowship is your favorite because it's also my favorite. Uh, I love it. No, yeah, I, I think you talked me into it um, because, like, on a rewatch that I did three or four years ago now, I actually watched The Fellowship of the Ring, and I was like, oh, wow, this is really good. And then I watched The Two Towers, got really bored with the stuff for uh, Sam and Frodo and then liked everything else. Um, and then about the same for Ring, um, Return of the King. But yeah, Fellowship is definitely different just because you get that meeting everyone, developing the world, everyone's together, but then they break up. Um, so it's like the high times of the office when everyone's together and then Michael leaves. <laughs> well, maybe if we uh, if we become a big enough podcast and get a big fan base we'll do some watch alongs for uh for the trilogy all right um so in closing uh do you guys have anything that you've been watching recently that you want to uh talk about well i mentioned earlier watching the crown uh really really well written uh so some really powerful powerful stuff in it so that's been Nice to watch on Netflix. Just watch the uh, episode where John Lithgow, who plays Winston Churchill, the episode where he he got his primetime Emmy Award off of this episode, where he has his portrait um, painted as he's turning eighty. It's a really excellent scene. A lot of really 
great ways of uh, displaying characters psychological state so i'm enjoying that a lot yeah and like i mentioned i watched uh the new season of cobra kai i really love that show like i said before it's a little cheesy but it's got fun fight scenes uh the acting is decent um but i don't know just something about the show just hooks you in and it's just it's one of those shows i think if it came out on a weekly basis i would hate it but since i can binge it and just ignore the bad parts of the the show i really love it um what else have i watched um still watching house of the dragon the new game of thrones series uh, i haven't watched the newest episode yet um i think they're up to episode four now um yeah i don't think i've been watching anything else other than that yeah andrew what about you so I am three episodes into She-Hulk. I think there are four out right now. Um, I am really enjoying it. Uh, I don't know the exact reason why I've been less interested in watching it, even though I really like it each episode I watch. Uh, maybe I just feel a little bit um, lackluster about Marvel right now. Um, because I haven't been as crazy about some of the movies that have come out. Um, thinking back to like a year ago, Jesse, you and I, and some other friends, like every Friday when Loki and Falcon and Winter Soldier, WandaVision, like when those shows were coming out, like Friday night we were all texting like, did you watch it yet? Oh no, we can't talk about it yet. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> like we were right. like, couldn't wait for the next episode. And a year later, you know, I think you said you haven't even started it yet. Um, so I know another coworker that hasn't that hasn't gotten into it a ton. Um, and it's just interesting. I don't know if we're just oversaturated with Marvel content uh, right now, but I really liked Miss Marvel. But and it was the same way. Like I, it, it took me a little bit of time to get through it. Uh, and, and like I said, with She-Hulk, like I'm, I'm not watching it right as it comes out kind of just like, okay, yeah, I'll watch an episode now cause I have time, but then I really enjoy it. Um, but then the next week it's like, again, like, yeah, I'll watch it when it comes out. So, um, I definitely recommend it. And, um, if there's anybody else out there feeling a little bit tired of all of the Marvel stuff, uh, give She-Hulk a try and, uh, I think you'll enjoy it. Tatiana Maslany is uh, great. Uh, I heard on a different podcast they compared her in her She-Hulk form to um, a, a kind of a live-action version of um, oh, what's her name from Shrek? Um, the the, <laughs> no, the princess Fiona. Fiona, yeah. Like, and it actually cause that does kind of look like that. Um, but yeah, it's been really good. Uh, I love the fourth wall breaks that she does. Uh, those are super fun. Yeah. Yeah. And she was the first character to actually do that in Marvel. Uh, cause like, I think it's on in the her comics. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it wasn't Deadpool. Deadpool, that wasn't one of his original, uh, things that he did. He was more of a straight line character assassin that showed up and then, I think it was Rob Liefeld took him and then created the Deadpool that we know and love today. Um, Blessings upon him. <laughs> legit. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to watching She-Hulk. I'll probably, 
uh, get to it once all the episodes are out. Um, Cause I'm really looking forward to seeing daredevil show up. I loved the daredevil series on Netflix. I think of all the Marvel shows that were on Netflix, that one was by far the best. Jessica Jones, the first season was, that was, it was really good because it was really interesting. Um, uh, the villain, how manipulative and how he was able to just control people was really terrifying. Um, Luke Cage was interesting up halfway through to, through the, the season. Iron Fist was just terrible. Um, and then everything else was bad after that, except for Daredevil, because they just kept pushing that character to its, to his limits um, and introducing new things for him to confront, um, whether it be uh, stuff in the legal system, stuff with his own like crisis of faith. Um, so I'm interested to see what they, what Disney does with the characters since they're bringing Charlie Cox back, bringing back uh, Vincent D'Onofrio. I don't know if mm-hmm. they've announced any other characters from the original show coming back. Um, but I wonder, I am worried that they're going to water down what the Netflix show was. I just like it's Disney. Um, but I am holding out hope that they're going to keep it a little bit more, uh, dark and street level, um, mature content. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that part of Disney plus where you have to be 18 or older (laughs) to watch things. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And then at D 23 this past weekend, they announced a show that's, uh, that came out of nowhere, really. Um, that's coming out this Halloween called werewolf by night. Um, and that one looks like super dark. The trailer was in black and white. So I don't know if the show is actually going to be in black and white. Um, or if it's just like to give off the impression of this is a horror, like an old style horror from uh, early 50s, 40s, 30s. Um, but that one looks really good as well. Uh, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. All right. Well, I think that wraps up episode three of. Uh, our podcast we thank you for listening don't forget to subscribe we appreciate any uh, five-star ratings or reviews um, that you would like to give and uh, have a great rest of your day see you peace